What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Tuesday thereafter edition of Birds 365. Good morning, everybody. For the group of you who've streamed in early, a little, little smaller than usual. I'm guessing that's because of the weather here in the Delaware Valley. I'm not sure. Well, we'll ask. Uh, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Um, J-Mac, you and I are about 10 miles apart, I think. I don't know. I never clocked it uh, here in, in South Jersey. Snowing pretty good where you're at? Yeah, we got the turnover. So, yeah, it's coming down pretty good. But, uh, you know, I guess if you're north and west of Philadelphia, you're going to get it worse. So can't that's, complain too much. That's what I heard. No, I'm going to complain because every weather <laughs> forecast I've seen for the last 24 hours, it said, yeah, nothing in South Georgia or Delaware. And I'm going, OK, that's good. Thank you very much. And the city seemed to be the dividing line. Like you said, north and west of the city, yeah, you're, you're getting slow, snow, sticky stuff on the ground. But by Jersey, you rain affair. It's coming down pretty hard here. I went out an hour ago, get the dog out, and it was, no, it was still rain. And then I went out like 15 minutes ago. Holy mackerel, there's already snow sticking pretty good to the ground. My dog came back in all wet. Not good. Yeah. So, well, I don't uh, know about uh, my dog, uh, Jody, prefers the snow than the rain. She does not want to go out in the rain. She does not mind going out in the snow. So, 
from that aspect, from that small avenue, it's a little bit easier for me. But uh, yeah, I prefer no snow. I prefer no rain, no snow. I guess we need it though. <laughs> Do we need snow? Really? Are you sure? No, I... we need we need precipitation at least. Yes, but sure. other than that, yeah, I I prefer it never precipitated. That I would agree. Well, during the summer, uh, my yeah. new grass gets pretty damn brown. I need some rain every once in a while. But my dog is, yeah, uh, she has her, her limit. She goes out, she does her business, boom, she's smart. She gets back on that porch, rain or snow. She knows when she's got to go, but then she comes back in pretty damn quickly. And she did. Ran out, got her business done, boom. Last snow on her back, even as she came back in. But she went running back into the house. So, yeah, it might be a little tricky out there if you're streaming us from home. Got to get out, got to go to work, got to do what you got to do today. Um, depending on where you are in the Delaware Valley, your two amateur forecasters here giving you the read on what it's like over here in South Jersey. But not an amateur, but I saw John Polaris make the big change and said, "Yeah, it was going to snow a little bit in South Jersey." So I was, I was really. When did he do that? Eh, last night. Sometime. Was it last night? All right, yeah. I didn't see it. I thought there was still going to be a rain affair here, but uh, hopefully the snow does not affect today's broadcast. And that we've got the update because I take a power hit every once in a while. Johnny does too. Uh, we Boy, get... And nice job. I've, uh, I've been having issues ever since the one storm. A, a certain company that begins with an X can't seem to get their, uh, you know, falls in the in the right court. So Hopefully we, we get through this today. And uh, yeah, if you got to go out, uh, just be careful on the roads because it is uh, already coming down uh, pretty significant in some areas. John, we got uh, 360 some odd days to talk about the dynasty that is the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And we're not going to do a ton of it on Birds 365, but because it is Andy Reid, because that's who the Eagles are. Hey, you want to win another championship? You want to have a parade? Yeah. You're going to have to go to Kansas City because they are uh, the, the champions of the world right now. And they're talking dynasty, and well, they should. Uh, what they, I thought, I don't know if you and I talked about this last week. I thought they were already a dynasty. If they yeah, I thought game, yeah, we did. I thought they had to win this one. Now they are. They won it. And uh, I, yeah, I I said one more official dynasty by my definition. You said they were already there, but we're both now there because I mean, three. That yeah, that's that's other than New England. That's as good as it gets. This this cements it for sure. I thought they'd already gotten there. It's uh, there can be levels and strengths of dynasty, and this uh, absolutely kicks it up a notch. And the other word we're going to have to get used to hearing for the next three hundred sixty plus days until they either do it again and or get eliminated is three peat, which Pat Riley brought to our uh, sports dictionary years ago and trademarked it, and God bless him, he's making money off it still today. Um, yeah, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have a chance to do something no one's ever done in the Super Bowl era, and that's win three in a row. And the scary part is, yeah, they got a real good shot at it. They they, they don't have, other than Chris Jones, who's a huge piece of their defense, and they danced the dance this year, and he sat out the first game and eventually signed a contract. They're good. They're young. Their Kelsey is said, oh, I'm here. I'm in for a three-peat. Uh, they don't have to deal with, is he going to walk away? That They're legit to potentially win three in a row, Johnny Mac. Yeah, I mean, you always uh, have to stay, you know, relatively healthy. That's built in. We always talk about the attrition part of it. And obviously, if a certain quarterback 
you don't even want to think about it, but then it changes everything. Uh, they have a cheap code because the difference is between them and everybody else. And I don't like boiling things down to quarterback, but they, because of their quarterback, they can make mistakes other teams can't make. And and Patrick Mahomes can make up for some of it, uh, not everything, but some of it. This is by far, by the way, the worst offense of the Kansas City dynasty. And guess what? They won the Super Bowl. So, you know, when they had their best offense, they won Super Bowls. Uh, uh, now they had their certainly now they had their best defense. You have to throw that in oh, the, yeah. in the run. So that helped sort of mask the lack of playmakers. And you know, they got better as the season wore on. Other teams, they got to get everything right. And you know, it's a parody driven league. And people say, Could the Eagles make it back? Tone to Shields asked me that yesterday. I said, Yeah, if they make a bunch of good decisions. And all the pieces fall into place. Yeah, they could be right back in the mix and be a, a contender, but they don't have the the the, the nobody has a, a a bigger margin of error when it comes to building a roster than Kansas City because they can lean on the quarterback and he can do some amazing things that that makes up for some of those uh, potential mistakes. So I think we talked about it going into the game, San Francisco probably had the better roster, um, but Kansas City won the game. Same thing as with the Eagles. Last year, yeah. Better roster, Kansas City won the game, you know. But let I mean, me let me ask you a question along those lines, because where you and I di- went diverse ways was if it was close, even if the Eagles – I thought it was a, basically a toss-up between the two rosters before the game started. Their achievement during the year was the same. They finished with the exact same regular season record. The Eagles went to an easier NFC, easier to get there. The Chiefs had to work and sweat and and, and get there. Sometimes that actually better prepares you for it. Um, and you said you still believe after the game the Eagles were the better team. I said, no, the game was played. And that decided if it was a toss-up, it was close. Whoever won the game, as close as the game was. And this year, you had a last-second field goal last year. You had an overtime this year. Can't get any closer than either of the last two Chiefs Super Bowl winning teams. If you thought the 49ers were better going into the game, does the outcome of the game swing you to make you say the Kansas City Chiefs are the better team? Well, it depends on your definition, right? Like, there's you, you and I have had this discussion. There's, yeah, I, I get the thought, you know, they won the game, they're the champions. I mean, ultimately, that's what it's about. But the best team doesn't always win. The best example I can give you is the 18 and 0 Patriots. I mean, if people want to say the New York Giants were better than the Patriots, they can because they won the game, but they're not. The, the Patriots had the better team, they lost on a particular day. There's upsets in sports. If it were easy to pick sport, if there were no upsets, it would be real boring. So do I come out of that game? Now, I picked Kansas City to win this year. I, I picked them to lose against the Eagles. Um, so I expected them to win the game. But did I think San Francisco had a better roster going in? Yes. Do I think they had a better roster going out? Yes. And they were in, They they you know, under the old rules, guess what? They're the Super Bowl champs, you know? So it was really close. It was razor thin. And, you know, Brock Purdy deserves credit. I said if he played a clean game, they had a chance to win. He played a clean game, they had a chance to win. And unfortunately, 
They couldn't get a block at the right situation. Jawan Jennings, man, he was breaking open, just didn't have time to get him the football. If that's a touchdown, who knows what happens. Now, Kansas City might go down and score. Andy Reid said he was going to go for two. They might win the game anyway. Um, You don't know what's going to happen, but they would have been in a nice position um, if they were able to accomplish that. And Kansas City made the plays. But if you're asking me, do I think San Francisco had the better roster coming out of the game? Yeah, I still think they did. And for large portions of the game, the first half, similar to last year with the Eagles, they were dominating. Nick Bosa, they could not do anything with Nick Bosa. And, you know, he's a great player. He's got a tremendous motor, and I'm talking about Nick, but everybody wears down. I just think he wore down late because they weren't able to control the football as well as the second half, and all of a sudden – Mahomes keeps getting the football, keeps getting the football, keeps getting the football. Well, that's going to start wearing on you defensively. So the Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions, and they are. And uh, some people, when I bring this up, get all out of sorts. And some, like me, think it's a worthy topic of conversation. They are the number one power ranked team going into next year. Yes, I'm talking power rankings before we're, we're, we're one day after the actual outcome of the 2023 sit now we're talking about the power rankings of 2024 i saw them for the first time today on the athletic who have some pretty <laughs> damn good eagle writers as a matter of fact who were asked to contribute to the power rankings for the upcoming season and as a surprise to no one the kansas City chiefs are number one the san francisco 49ers are number two number three is the detroit lions Fourth to the Baltimore Ravens. Fifth to the Houston Texans. Man, that's a big jump up. That's saying a lot about Mr. Stroud and the rookie season they had. They got him fifth, ranked fifth off the season they had this past year. They also apparently like that quarterback in Green Bay, too, because they've got the Packers sixth, Bills seventh. There's a specific green team I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, The Cleveland Browns eighth. The Miami Dolphins ninth, the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow apparently going to come back and play. Tenth, the Dallas Cowboys. Ouch, that hurts Eagle fans. Eleventh, the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams. Twelfth, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know they beat oh. the Eagles. I know they beat the Eagles. I, I I'm starting to get Nancy. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the Rams should be ahead of the Eagles. I don't know if the Bucks, even though they beat them, and I similar to what we just talked about, I don't know if they should be ahead of the Eagles either. But uh, yeah, I mean, I got the Super Bowl odds, you know, yesterday, and there, there's a, obviously a bunch of different ones. But uh, Kansas City is obviously number one. The Eagles in that were 18 to one, tied with Dallas and Miami. But they've taken a big hit, um, and and they should. I, I mean, you know, for a long time, basically over a year and a half, they were up at the top of this league, and now they no longer are. And, you know, you talk about everything's about projection, right? You mentioned Houston, C.J. Stroud, and they're, you know, uh, obviously people are expecting them to get better and better and better, and we'll see how that shakes out. Um, a lot of it, you know, the Eagles indicate their projection. They've indicated to the outside world, not that it matters, but they've indicated 
all right, we need to we need to change some things. They've done drastic things. They've done drastic things. So when you do drastic things, there's not a lot of people that are going to have confidence in you to be a true Super Bowl contender. True Super Bowl contenders don't do the drastic things the Eagles did. So it doesn't surprise me that they, they've taken significant hits. Um, and you didn't let me get the last one in, which talk about stick in the eye. I give you the bucks at 13, which is stick in the eye. I need to poke you in the other eye. At 14, the Indianapolis Colts, led <laughs> no. by Shane Steichen, are number 14 and 15. There's only 32 teams in the NFL. So if Mediocre. you drop the second half of the NFL, no, at number 15 are the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I would say the mighty have fallen. That is not good. Now, power rankings are what they are. That's an opinion on a piece of paper or on a computer screen, whatever else. Doesn't mean anything. Uh, but that is, that's kind of eye-opening, John, that going from tied in the Super Bowl uh, with 10 seconds to go, just one year later, starting the offseason as the 15th ranked team out of 32 in someone's educated opinion, yeah, they have fallen. Uh, I'm not sure if I completely ad- agree with your term, drastic. They've made changes. Significant might be the word I choose. We're getting into a semantical debate here, but uh, that's not good. No. It, it is officially no. how he sees it. And, oh, by the way, you talk about pressure. It's a pretty good pressure on the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles this offseason, John. Oh, yeah. And Jason Kelsey might retire. Fletcher Cox might be gone. Hassan Reddick wants $25 million a year. Probably, I mean, yeah, he's got some work to do. So, yeah. I mean, call it drastic. Call it significant. But either way, whatever adjective you want to use, when you make changes like that, when you make crazy motions, yeah, a lot of people aren't going to have confidence in you. That, that, that is just bottom line. Right. And but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But if the Eagles are sitting there saying, why are everybody disrespecting us or Eagles fans? I'd say, come on. I mean, you can't do the stuff you've done and expect people to have confidence in you. Um, you got to prove it. I'm not sure I would have had them in the top 10. But behind the Bucks and the Colts, wow, that's that that that's kind of a shot. Yeah, to that's that's too, in, in my opinion, that's too much. But. You know, that's what they've done. That's what they've signaled. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDowell, Mac and Mac, Birds 365, through the snow here in the Delaware Valley. For those of you uh, streaming in from anywhere else, hope you have a nice weather day. So far, not so good in the Delaware Valley. Uh, we got two good guests coming your way, both uh, Delaware Valley guys, our very own Mark Farzetta, Fargy Show on earlier today already. We, every once in a while, ask him to stick around and come down with us on Birds 365. So Mark Farzetta is going to jump in in the next five minutes. A little bit later, Jeff Mosher, who I tried to get on the show a couple of weeks ago. So, Jody, I got to go to the Senior Bowl. So, all right, good. We'll get you out to talk about the Senior Bowl after you get back and after the Super Bowl as well from InsideTheBirds.com and the Inside the Bird podcast. Uh, Jeff Mosher is going to join us in a little bit. But first, next, another Bearded Balding guy. That would be my friend Mark Farzetta. He's going to jump in with us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes 
and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mega Mac here with you on Birds 365. Somebody's having fun there. What the yeah, hell? Oh boy! Here we go. Oh, yeah. we got little Farzad in the picture. We have little tuts. We have little tuts. Manuel, you want to say hi? She's oh. she's a big Eagles fan. Yeah. This oh. is she just rewatched Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman's end of the year press conference. It still has her like. I, I, I thought that was more Hassan Reddick. Yeah. <laughs> She too is seeking a trade uh, for a better set of parents. She also wants twenty five million, and I'm like, twenty five million. 
Craft mac and cheeses, jelly maybe? beans. Yeah, we got jelly 25 beans? million jelly beans. Uh, that's not bad. Yeah. I, I thought it was maybe the fact that she heard me go, Eagles are power ranked 15th right next season. What happened to top two and three? They're 15th uh, yeah. to start the season. I wish I knew. I, I wish I knew. Yeah, uh, yeah that, 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 that happened quickly, right? Uh, when you hear from your all pro, your pro bowl right tackle that uh, you were dismantled. By the team that was actually in the Super Bowl representing the NFC, doesn't really bode well for anybody. Yeah, I, I, yeah, by the way, I'm surprised the, that got into the Eagles' head, and obviously, I want to cry about that as well. So. Um, I, I, you know, Nick Bosa came, and you remember, all Eagles fans got to jump on their swords and say Nick Bosa doesn't know anything, and he's saying we exposed the Eagles, we gave the blueprint. The Eagles kind of bought into that themselves. I'm, I'm. I'm that 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 is a little bit strange to me that they've gone this far. A lot of a lot of uncertainty with this team. It surprises me, Mark. Where did uh, the swagger go? Well, uh, dismantled and neutered is kind of what happened to this team, unfortunately. And I go back to looking at this team from afar and saying, "What was the moment?" Like in the week of the Super Bowl is the time I do my my biggest reflection of what what's going on in the Super Bowl if the Eagles are in it or not and why aren't they in it if they're not in it. And the biggest thing that I go back to is the Desai change. Is changing your defensive play caller from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia because what you did with I mean you want to talk about you want to talk about yeah, you want to talk about swagger? Yeah. You two things happened when you did that. One, you told your defense we were 10 and 3 in spite of you. How dare you make us have three losses on our great record? This is against you, the defense. You're the problem. And it also, according to what Hassan Reddick said, at the same week, at the same time that AJ Brown was having his huge uh locker room session with everyone there for the first time in two and a half weeks. If if it's if AJ Brown didn't address the media, we'd all be talking more about what Hassan Reddick said that week because. He literally snickered at the idea of being dropped back seven times in coverage by Matt Patricia. Um, I now forget who it was that asked the question at the locker with Hassan Reddick. Hey, we noticed on the All-22 there was a lot of confusion, guys running in and out uh, at the last minute. Was the communication bad? Is the terminology different? Whatever the case may be. Yeah. And yeah. Hassan Reddick said, well, yeah, I mean, the higher-ups thought it was a good idea to make a change at this point in the season, and we're getting a lot of different terminology now. And a lot of us thought, well, hold yeah, on. the terminology, two, yeah. The two things that jumped out to me yeah. about that was, one, Hassan Reddick was so open and honest about the higher-ups, quote-unquote, wanted to make the change. And then the other, this was supposed to be no big – the only thing that was supposed to be different was the play caller. You weren't supposed to have any different inter- terminology. <laughs> Even if you have a different – the analogy I make is if you hire one chef to cook you a meal and midway through you fire him and you bring somebody else in to cook you that meal, it might be the same entree, but it's going to look a lot different the presentation and plating is going to be a lot different. And that's eventually what happened. That's essentially what happened to this Philadelphia Eagles team. And you told essentially your locker room that your head coach doesn't have as much power as maybe was led on to be. If that move was truly made by the higher ups. Then let me get you on the record. Since you're right. As on Reddick said what he said, I need what Mark Farzetta believes. Yeah. When it happened, I, without uh, Sirianni said, my call, but he said it briefly. He said it. All right. Yeah, right. Wink, wink, nod, <laughs> nod. Um, but in the post-season gathering with he and Howie together, he looked in the camera and said, that was me. 
I made that decision. I did it for the best of the football team, the justification and everything else. But he made a believer of me that day. That oh. It was his decision that he wanted to change the play calling on defense. He thought John kept telling us uh, on a day and day, they, they, they took the third down play calling away from him weeks before. So this didn't come out of left field. This was kind of a process that they got to. Hassan Reddick saying basically he believes Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie did it, not Nick Sirianni, that it was pushed down his throat. I flip-flopped that on that in the middle of the season. Do you believe Hassan Reddick or do you believe Nick Sirianni? Oh, I, I believe Hassan Reddick because here's what we know. And this is a, part of the positive thing that came out from the locker room session of A.J. Brown. Nick takes it on the chin, man. Nick, Nick, Nick will take the gut punch for the organization, whether that be for his players or whether that be for the quote-unquote higher-ups in the front office. He will take blame. And it's one of the most famous things you look at any head coach. And Andy Reid certainly said this all the time. He said he learned it from Mike Holmgren. Coach gets all the blame and none of the credit. Like, that's just kind of how it works. When it when something works, because the players executed well, the players did their job, the coaches around them, the offense coordinator, defense, they did a great job. When something goes haywire, when something goes bananas, yeah, it's my fault. I take full responsibility. It's all on me. I think Nick's willing to give that, that courtesy to his bosses, to his higher-ups, as he is to his players as well. I think, and I don't mean this in a derogatory term, but he is the ultimate company man. He's the ultimate man to take those bullets for the people that are making the bigger decisions when it comes to the organization. He'll, he will take those bullets. He will take that fire. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this one. I, I agree with you 100%, Mark, that he will you know, protect his players, and we saw that. Now, with the, with the guys, with the guys, especially now, I'm not sure if that's going to be 100%. I believe Nick and Jody will tell you. I, you know, for some things, not not only uh, in front of the camera, but behind the camera, it was his decision. That third down uh, situation wasn't weeks; it was the week prior. So I I just want to clarify that. But wasn't two weeks ahead of time? Was the Dallas game uh, before the Seattle game? So that which, was one week. Yeah, which okay. was one week, but. What was weeks before Nick started thinking about changing when they were eight and one at the five week, when they were eight and six, forget about 10 and three, after <laughs> eight and one, eight and one, which tells me right off the bat, they didn't like Sean Desai for whatever reason. You hear the term presence and uh, for whatever. So there was more going on than just the defense was pretty bad as well. And by the way, at times during that eight and one start, Mark, they played pretty well. They had games against Miami and Tampa early in the season, and they played pretty well. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm, I'm a guy who says Nick shouldn't have gotten fired, but boy, this is a fireable offense. That's what and I this said. was his decision. So okay. I'm like, I don't know where to go. That's it myself. That's yeah. Here's the thing when I look at Sean Desai, Look, it was no masterpiece. All right, let's just get that out of the way. Let's let's just state the obvious no, for the people that yell the no. obvious. However, the, there were second half adjustments that he would make or the defense would make that if they were having a bad first half, they would rebound in the second half. And I don't know if that was the offense taking control or him just straight up making adjustments, but the game that I always look at is the game against the Rams. I mean, yes, they went yeah, up against the Miami Dolphins. Good game. Yeah, yeah, they had they had a great game against the Miami Dolphins. Great game plan against that team. It was great. Eli Ricks played out of his mind against Tyreek Hill, and we thought that would be a lot more of things to come. Unfortunately, it wasn't. 
but when it looked when you look at that Rams game, Cooper Cup in that game had uh, ninety six yeah. ninety six yards, ninety seven yards in the first half, twenty five in the second. Like, completely different. Uh, I think seven catches in the first half, two in the second. Like that to me, show oh wow, okay. If you don't have it to start out, you better have it coming out of the halftime. And yeah. he did in a lot of instances. He had it. So I at least had confidence that if you didn't have the right game plan, you would make the adjustments within the game to put yourself on the right course. And I, I would tell our friend Bill Calarulo a lot. It was like at that point in the season, the Eagles didn't have bad games. They would have bad halves. Man, they made up for it as the season went on. But that was kind of where you were at. But the minute you made that change yeah. fully is the minute, I think, that you now, put maybe the – Maybe because there yeah. were a couple times, guys, that, let me throw – in the Rams game you bring up, that's a good one, Mark, where – Slay went up to him and said, "Dude, we gotta we gotta calm this down. We got a bunch of young players playing. We don't know what they're doing." And he kind of took over in the slot for a very short period of time. So when you have players, and then Kevin Byard, remember the Kevin Byard conversation about mm -hmm. guys doing their own. <laughs> let me do. Of, let me do the scouting report. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I think that was overblown. I think he was trying to get guys involved. That's something if you're winning, people say, "Yeah, that's a good idea." It, you mm -hmm. know, take ownership of the defense. But it was portrayed in a negative way. So when you hear veterans like Slay and Bayard, you know, saying we have to do things differently, and you're not making that change, you don't recognize it. That's maybe part of the presence we're talking about. He didn't have the presence. Of Jim Schwartz, nobody does. He didn't have the presence of Jonathan Gannon. Those, those are the two people you're coming off of. And all of a sudden, Sean Desai comes in. He's more of a teacher. That's his background. Not an old-school football guy. I think that hurt him. I really do. Mm -hmm. He had his moments. And he was a hell of a lot better than Matt Patricia. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I said at the time that it was crazy enough it was so crazy that it had to work. Like, there's no way they make this change, this crazy change, this late in the season, and it doesn't work because, like, this is such a bold move. It's oh. a bold strategy. And oh man, that was that was the iceberg in the Titanic, man. That was um, that was not good. And if if the Eagles were really looking at it, if if Nick Sirianni was really looking at it at eight and one, saying he needed to make a change, then that gives validation to every single Eagles fan that's just like, you know, this team sucks, and the other fan is like they're eight and one man relax it's like no this yeah. you don't understand like well it, does it, it get validation though to, does it because i think it, it completely fell apart well if you let me let's put it like this if you made that change at eight and one yes it looks crazy but at least you have time to make the adjustment still what's what's bonkers to me is in any way shape or form how sean desai was a better option than denard wilson for instance, like I'm not saying Denard Wilson was going to blow people away by becoming the next great defensive mind in the NFL or anything, but at least it would have satisfied some players. Well, at least you would have thought that would have been a good idea by by the players' standard. You know, you know, you know the reason Sean Desai was here, Vic Fangio. Oh, because he shook hands with Vic Fangio once. No, that was Vic's <laughs> recommendation. They no! basically, yeah, no! basically Vic. Uh, you know. If Sean, we can't have you, who are we gonna have? Yeah, yeah. So and that uh, that's what that's why I got no problem with where the Eagles are now. And some people do that. How the hell is Sirianni the coach, but he can't pick his own coaching staff? It, Nick Sirianni has done some good things, including taking the Eagles to a Super Bowl last year. One thing that he hasn't proven to me is he can pick co-coaches, guys with him. He's gotten one right, Shane Steichen. That's it. 
Gannon was an Eagle hire just as much as it was a uh, Nick Sirianni hire. John let us in on that as soon as Gannon got the job. Hey, the Eagles were hiring Gannon to be the defense coordinator, no matter who their coach was. By the way, Nick confirmed that as well. Right. I knew you were dead on with that one. He's got one right, Shane Steichen. All the other coaching hires he's done since, not good. I'm sorry, Nick. That that might be a uh, a, a, just not a strength of his. So if you decide you want to keep the guy, I got no problem with going. And yeah, by the way, we're going to pick your coach. We're going to hire the two coordinators and then let them have a lot of say with the staff. Some people think that's a crazy way to run an organization. I don't. I'm okay with it. I'll put it like this. Here's my concern. And people think it's all about play calling. That's you're only scratching the surface if you're only arguing, well, Nick Sirianni doesn't call plays, so what does he do? Here's the problem. <clears throat> Nick Sirianni took this job and was the play caller. All right, so you're talking about a lot of responsibility for a first-time head coach and play caller in the NFL. Shortly thereafter went, this ain't for me. I'm going to be the more CEO-type guy, the John Harbaugh, the now, or Jim Har- uh, John Harbaugh, uh, Dan Campbell, you know, as he is Dan, in, in yeah, Detroit. Everybody and, wants to use Dan. So right. Fourth down goes, so, so, goes bonkers. <laughs> Until yeah. he just goes bat, you know what, crazy yeah. in fourth down, yeah, um, or a two point conversion. But Nick Sirianni took over that responsibility, and ever since then, we have seen this diminishing role of responsibility with Nick Sirianni, going from head coach and play caller to just head coach to game plan to now at to all throughout this season. And John, you were one of the many reporters that asked him throughout this year, you know, basically changing play calls or, uh, you know, who's, who's in charge of the offense and what's going on with the game plan. This is my <laughs> offense. This is my offense. This is my offense. Brian calls the plays. My offense. Brian calls the plays. So, okay. And then this end of the year press conference happens. Whose offense is it going to be? It's going to be our offense. Our, yeah. So what is now? Well, look, I, I know, think, yeah. I know everyone jumps to, and rightfully so, because it's hilarious. What is it you say you do here? I know everyone jumps to that, but the actual question was, so what's your role? A legitimate question for a coach who has had diminishing responsibility in his time here in Philly. Hey, look, the success has been there. Three playoff appearances, one Super Bowl appearance, one of the top offenses a year ago in the NFL. Great, wonderful, beautiful, wonderful. But what's your role now? If this is the first time ever you're saying the offensive coordinator will have control over the offense, okay, so what's your role? I expected when Tim McManus asked the question, I expected him to say, Oh, well, it's what it's I will do as I've been doing. I do the game plan and the offensive coordinator calls the plays. That wasn't what was said. And no. that's was like was, the retired guy. Exactly. It's like, yeah. So it's like, what are you gonna do today, dear? Well, maybe I'll go to a defensive meeting. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll go to the park. Maybe, the maybe. Maybe I'll take a walk. Yeah. I got to go to Home Depot. I have to pick up something. <laughs> uh, well, what he should have said was, and if he had said this, my God, what a genius he would be. I'll make sure the team knows the rules <laughs> of overtime. <laughs> overtime. Yeah. overtime that, that's kind of important. Yeah. And I guarantee you the Eagles know the rules because of John Ferrari. I guarantee you okay. the Eagles know the rules. Here, here John, was, John got him changed. He was major mover and changer. Yeah. One thing I'll say, one last thing on, on the Nick Sirianni situation. I mean, let me, I'll talk about it, obviously whatever you want to, but the CEO head coach type thing. I am I am officially demoting usage of the CEO term with oh, Nick Sirianni. We are bumping him down. He is no uh-huh. longer a CEO, John, Jody, too much. It's too much authority as a CEO. He All is right. now, he is now like a like in like in baseball, we we don't call him a coach, we call him a manager. He's a manager. 
That's what he is. He's the regional manager Ooh. of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's not. He's a, like, I, a, he's like a game manager. That's an insult. When I, 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 I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. He's a, we don't call the we don't call the quarterbacks like Brock Purdy. We don't call them the uh, the, the, the the game CEOs. Yeah. Call them right. game managers. All right. Like Sirianni now right. manager. That's what he is. I'm with you though. That's part of one of my pet peeves, Mark, is people calling him a CEO coach like it's new. He was already a CEO coach. Like right. I know we're downgrading it now for you. I'll say he was already a game manager before. Nothing has changed except evidently Kellen Moore has the final say on the offense, whereas he did it before. Now, and he was forced to hire a bunch of people he probably didn't want to hire and fire a bunch of people he probably didn't want to fire. How is that tenable? Like, how does Jeffrey Lurie look at that and say, you know what? And by the way, he doesn't give a shit about me because he's got $6 million (laughs) that says at the end of the day. So he's like, who cares what McMullen says? And I get it. Mm. But how do you have $6 billion? How, How do you be that kind of success? And you go, this seems like a good idea. I can't wrap my head around it. Help me. Uh, because you are the success. You were here in the Andy Reid era. If you're Jeffrey Lurie, like, think about this. Like, Jeffrey Lurie has owned an NFL franchise for 27 years. Yeah. Okay. Over a quarter century. Yeah. Okay. He's owned an NFL. Has this franchise in any other ownership <clears throat> other than back-to-back world championships in 1948 and 49? Have they ever had the sustained success they've had under a Lori? No, absolutely. He's absolutely. a phenomenal. I, I've said it to Jody. Jody can back me up on this. I said, he's a great owner. When you compare him to other owners in this profession, uh-huh. by and large, he's a great owner. Mm-hmm. Not perfect. And he makes mistakes and he's made mistakes in the past. I think he's made a mistake here. Um, I think he would have learned from the Doug Peterson escapade instead of repeating it he doesn't seem to have learned from that maybe well, because they had success and they bounced back so quickly exactly all right so you made it two super bowls in five years with a different quarterback and a different head coach what's the constant howie roseman and jeffrey Lurie? what else what, what the hell else do we need i feel like that's too much <laughs> of the mindset well how do all right let me let me frame it to both of you this way so we'll go back to doug how to how do press taylor and go go goes from rising young coach. Oh, we got to keep this guy because he came in with Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. This guy's a future star. This guy found the Philly special. This guy's going to be a, a a future head coach in this league. To yeah, he's an idiot. Let's get him out of here. We can't move forward with Press Taylor. Yeah, to, same thing now with Brian Johnson. Oh, this guy's a shooting star. We have to promote Brian Johnson because we're going to lose Brian Johnson. We can't possibly lose Brian Johnson. And then less than 12 months later, hey, Brian, there's the door. How do you go from that and say, I, you know, it doesn't, it, I, I can't figure it out. How do you move that quickly? It's irrational. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's irrational. And if you're, look, if you've had any amount of success as an owner and the amount of time that Jeffrey Lurie's been here, again, greatest stretch we've ever seen with the Eagles, I mean, you think you're the constant. You think you're the reason for it. And and now with all this time built up of literally being there, draft room, you're listening, you're going to the senior bowl, like you're obviously going to the combine. You you feel more like a general manager at this point than you do an owner. I mean, you've had conversations with 
some of the greatest minds in football. Now you really start to feel like you know what the hell you're doing. So you can go exceed the expectation of an owner and just write big fat checks to actually being involved in decisions and influencing analytics and, and saying how uh, the, the famous conversation with Doug Peterson after they beat the Packers in green Bay. Well, why didn't you, why didn't you, why did you throw, why didn't you throw the ball more? Well, because running was working like that type of thing. You don't need that from your owner. I feel like the owner needs to write big fat checks and give a damn about the fan base, which I think he does. And I give him credit for that. But ultimately, let the guys that have been brought up in the world of football make those football decisions. And that, to me, is something that I feel like is going more and more by the wayside as we continue in the Lori era. Here's where I'm not going to get on Nick Sirianni's case. And, John, you're kind of leaning toward uh, flexing that I guess I'm a wuss and I wouldn't be willing to flex. Doug Peterson was an NFL quarterback. He made NFL quarterback money for years, years in the National Football League. And he got to the breaking point and he just said, Jeffy, fire my ass. Uh, no, that that's not going to do for me. I'm not allowing you to dictate the coaches for me. So see you later. Bye. Nick was in the exact same position. Here's what we're dictating you to take as a coach if you want to stay. And he said, okay, fine. Because he had been making quarterback coach, wide receiver coach money. There's a little bit of a difference between wide receiver coach money and NFL quarterback money. Doug could afford to do that. Doug could say, hold on, let me well, get wait my a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. and see how much I got in my account. Oh, yeah, Jeff Lloyd, here's what I think about your plan. Whoa. Take my now, power away. Sirianni doesn't have that. Now, Nick's got three kids, but Nick's already made $14 million. And if he gets fired, guess what? He continues to make $7 million a year if he gets fired. I mean, he's going to be just fine. I agree with you. Uh, wide receiver coach money isn't quarterback money in the NFL, but he's long past that. He's been the head coach of this football team at $7 million a year, even with three kids. And Mark, uh, uh, how many kids do you have now? Just, just two. Just, Just two. two. Yeah. I think you could get by with seven million. I could be wrong. Kids are very expensive at this stage, young kids. Can you get by on seven million? <laughs> He's thinking about it. Ah, oh, geez. I don't know. Gogurts are really expensive. It's all, it's yes. All what, it's all what you're used to. It's what level you live at. The, the, the 99% of the population get by. I'm not advocating quitting, by well, the way. Well, what would you do? Either you say yes, Jeff, or no, Jeff. What would John McMullen have said? Easy. You say, no, no, no. Uh, uh, whomever, Brian's going to be my offensive coordinator. We're not going to change. He probably, he was going to change defensive coordinators to Vic. Mm -hmm. um, Vic's going to be my defensive coordinator. This is my plan. If Jeffrey goes back and says, that's not acceptable, you say, well, I'm the head coach of the football team. That's my plan. You force him to fire you. And right. you got the $7 oh, yeah. million coming. Sure. Oh, I'm not saying he walk out the door without his check. Yeah, he yeah. should get his money to go out the door, but it comes down to you either are going to accept the terms that your owner's laying out or you're not. And you're saying you would have walked away. I, I'm saying I, I don't know that I could have done that. Hmm. I personally would have. But, but 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 I also know if I'm and I'm putting myself in Nick Sirianni's shoes, I also know he's going to get another chance because of his record. Mm -hmm. And people are going to look like Jeffrey Lurie is the lunatic in that situation. Nick's going to be just fine. So that's part of it. Uh, Nick's, Nick, I, I can't believe how many people thought, oh, Nick had to stay. Nick wouldn't get another job. I mean, are you kidding me? Have you seen this hiring cycle? 
You got a guy with a 667 winning percentage and hey, three consecutive. Hey, John, I don't think you want to go there. This hiring cycle, the greatest coach in history of National Football League didn't get a job. Well, that's because he's, he's 71, Jody. <laughs> let's let's put the context into it. Nick is a young man. Is where no, yeah. there's a lot of ageism when it comes to Bill and does, Carroll. Does, does Nick well. blow people away in interviews? He's going to say, "I went to a Super Bowl." He blew away Jeffrey Lurie. At one point. Okay. Uh, I think the second job is trickier to get. Boy, did you see some of the coaches they hired in this league? I mean, it is 660. Now, he because of the timing, he oh, might have pick, had to Do me a favor. Him. Pick one. Pick one. Who was, who was the worst hire this uh, offseason? Who was the worst hire? The worst hire. The one that you think was uh, less qualified. Since you I, made, I, did you see the coaches they've hired? Give me one. Give me the top of the list guy. Dave Canales. Dave Canales. Okay. Who was more uh, apt, ready? Uh, his resume was impressive to be a head coach in the National Football League. Dave Canales or Nick Sirianni when he got the Eagle job? Uh, Nick Sirianni. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's about even. I get where you're going. But that's not where Nick is now. That's the point. That's not where Nick, yeah, at the time, I'm with you. Nick was way off the radar. Um, I'm, I'm, and, and he didn't even get another interview. The Eagles were the only, I'm not talking about Nick Sirianni coming in. Right. I'm talking to six Nick Sirianni with the 667 winning percentage and the three playoff. That's a lot different, Jody. Than Nick Sirianni coming in. Do you think he would have um, gotten a job immediately in this? In this, no. Well, the timing, cycle? the timing hurts, and that is the one thing I think. You know, because of Nick's age, he probably doesn't want to sit out a year. He might have had to sit out a year because of the timing, right? But I think immediately, Doug did. Doug had to wait a year. So yeah, yeah, because Nick of the timing, they fired him very late. Yep, they but fired Nick, him very late. But Doug, of course, again, Doug had the Super Bowl ring on his resume. Yeah. And he's like, I'll get a job in five minutes with the background of NFL quarterback, head coach that won the Super Bowl, all that stuff. And then with Nick Sirianni, here's the thing though with him. I, this, look, $7 million is $7 million. And I don't think anyone that's listening or watching this is scoffing at $7 million. No, okay. But I'm not scoffing. let's look at this for a sec. The, let's not, for, and I don't mean this to be funny at all. The guy loves ball. The he guy does. loves football. He does. He, it, it would destroy him to Probably think he would. wasn't invited to the sandbox for a full year. Even with a $7 million pillow, I don't think he is – I don't know if he wants to stay yeah, away from football for a full in, year. Yeah, I think in the age hurts there. I don't think he wants to – I think that's right. part of the reason he accepted I don't think he wants to sit exactly. out a year. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's certainly not going to take a, a lesser role uh, to be an offensive coordinator or – you know, a senior offensive assistant at his age. So, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. But I, I you know, if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, my my biggest criticism of Jeffrey Lurie is it's your team. You can do what you want, but show the courage of your convictions. If you think the guy did a bad job, blow out the guy and bring in somebody else. Don't straddle the fence. Right now we have a guy with, um, again, who has to coach with a bunch of people he didn't want to hire because he had to fire a bunch of people he didn't want to fire. I don't know how that works. I, I have a question. And and you guys have covered this league for a minute more than I have, right? I can't remember. So let, let's just talk about this vicious cycle for a second. Cause you mentioned John a second ago with Jeffrey Lurie kind of getting into this 
this this area of hiring these coaches, these coordinators, firing them, keeping that coach. I can't remember an instance where, and this could happen because the Eagles are in this vicious cycle. So Kellen Moore comes in, Kellen Moore with AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Hurts, a revamp Jalen Hurts, with or without Kelsey, still a pretty damn good offensive line. And Kellen Moore revamps the offense. He's not going to get head coach interviews next year. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah. now you're in this vicious cycle. So now he's yeah. gone. Who's next? Can't and now Jalen Hurts. That. You can't worry about it. You just, I, why, but I'm you saying if you get, want you to get the guys to help you win this year. Absolutely. Go, oh, but my sustained. God. We can't hire someone because he may be hired away in 12 months. I'm Good rooting. you got to get the best guy. But then you're in the state. It's a vicious cycle, so Jody. What? They do the same That's, thing. You and, you and 32 other teams, except 30 <laughs> of them aren't going to make a oh, but, goal. By the way, what are we, gonna do? We, Mark, get to, we get to keep our middle of the pack offensive coordinator. Ah, but we didn't lose him. I didn't leave. Now I'm here. Uh, uh, wait, yeah, but we're I, middle of the road. Or you could have him as head coach and play caller, and you're you're still doing fine. I I have to apologize to Mark because Mark had a hard out at eight forty five. Oh no, and kids are off from school. Sorry, kids. Oh, yeah, I meant to tell you. Right. I, yeah, you're a good man, but yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah no, and no I, school that, today. I, I Thanks. Felt no, bad, but I was going to blame it. You're so compelling. <laughs> I forgot about the clock. So, all right. I'm Who are you? Who now. are you, Kyle Shanahan? Yeah. Well, yes, I'm a bad game manager. <laughs> I'm a terrible game manager. Yeah, no, but here's here's where you're at. So here's what I was going to ask you. I can't remember a time where a team made it to the playoffs, won in the playoffs, even made it to a Super Bowl, whatever. And then with the head coach there, they're like, um, all right, head coach, you're fired. We don't want to lose the offensive coordinator. He's now the head coach. Yeah. I, I and look. And you know what the best thing would be uh, for a reporter? Because I just root for stories. Eagles have a great offense, and Kellen Moore goes back to Dallas as a head coach. Oh, that no, would no be joke. Absolutely oh, my phenomenal. God. Johnny Mack, what the hell is wrong? How de- I'm going to lose sleep over that. I'm going to forget about that. And then right around the time I go to bed tonight, that's going to come to the forefront. What was the thing Johnny Mack said? Oh, de- and then I'm going to be up. Thank you. Thank that you for would that. Be absolutely phenomenal. I would love to see that. Rooting forward. for a story, you selfish you know bastard. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what's going to happen, which you'll, you want to piss McMone off since he's pissed you off. Ah. I'll tell you what could happen. That happens. The Eagles hire the offense coordinator as their new head coach and give Doug his walking, uh, give uh, Nick his walking papers. <laughs> but that's if, a, that... if they get the drift that he could go to Dallas and Jerry would hire him. Uh, we, we saw what we saw at once. Holy. Howie Roseman pointed to the broom closet down the hall and said, Howie, we've already had a desk put in there for you. So he did it once before when Chip threw him up against the wall. Jeff folded. And if yeah. the Kellen Moore comes in and is the opposite. Well, it would work with Nick Sirianni Evan. going down there to be the head coach, too. That would work as well. Mm. Uh, he'd be wearing a Beat Eagles. That's even a better story. He'd have to wear a Beat Eagles T-shirt. That'd be great. <laughs> and he'd jump up on the bench and start screaming at Eagles fans. Oh, you that, guys. that would be well, you even got, better, you got, Joe. You got more keeping the job and Sirianni going yeah. to take over the Cowboys? Why not? Jerry tweaking the Eagles. Oh. Oh boy, you guys, you are a bunch of pot stirrers. Listen to you. Listen to you guys. It's the the (laughs) offseason. This is great. Oh, God bless both of you. That's amazing. Jerry is not hiring Nick Sirianni. I could, I can get (laughs) no, probably not. Probably not. All right. Could, could hire Kellen Moore as their next head coach, though. That's, that's a, but it's not a zero. My fingers are spread just slightly. 
Here's, here's uh, Nick Sirianni is the coach of the Cowboys. Zero. There is no space in between my fingers. Can't happen. There you go. All right. Uh, last one, Mark, since we kept you too long. I Not at all. Go it. for I it. apologize at Mark Barzetta, the Farsi show every morning. You watch it here uh, on the Jacob uh, Sports YouTube channel. Um, does a tremendous job. Um, Hassan Reddick, you know, he wants $25 million. <laughs> you, ju- you just talked about him dropping into coverage. Mm. Well, I, by the way, Eagles fans are going to hate Vic Bangio because Nick <laughs> likes to drop his edge rushers in coverage. He's one of those guys. Yo. Um, so $25 million, He's got the big cap number. Is there... You know, the Eagles have clearly given him uh, the opportunity to see what his worth is around the league. Does Hassan Reddick even want to play in this all uh, defense? How does it work out with Hassan? Uh, I think Hassan Reddick actually stays here, and I think it's he's going to go around the league. I don't think he's going to find the money that he's looking for, unfortunately, but he's going to want that opportunity to win, and I think he's going to have that opportunity to win in Philadelphia. Um, the thing that I find really interesting is I went back and I watched – because I read the Omar, Omar Kelly piece uh, about the Miami Dolphins and how like nobody liked Vic Fangio, too hard-nosed a guy and all that. Um, but I went back and I watched the in-season hard knocks, the Miami Dolphins, which I really enjoyed. And I was just looking for any morsel, any just inside scoop, whatever, just what do these guys say about Vic Fangio, if anything. It took three and a half episodes for Vic Fangio to even walk by the camera. Like, you didn't even see him. And then I'm like, okay, there he is. What's he saying? Oh, he's talking about Derrick Henry's a good running back. Okay, nope, know that already. And then in, I think, episode seven, around, for anyone that wants to go back and watch it, maybe the 26-minute mark. This is uh, tremendous hard knocks in season knowledge, by yeah, the way. Yeah, you're, 27 yeah. minutes into episode seven. Because I directed people on my shows. Like, if you want to see what I'm talking about here, I think it was the seventh episode. Uh, we lost Mark. We lost your bidding. Oh no! Come on. Keep talking, Farzadi. You yeah, look good. Where, where, oh, we what your the? audio? We got what? your audio though. Keep I don't talking. know why that happened. That's that's damn ridiculous of asking. So anyway, if you go back, this is Hard Knocks HBO cutting me off from this information. Um, <laughs> they, anyway, they they talked about a bunch of the defensive players were having dinner, and they talked about how Vic Fangio is this defensive genius, and how other players around the league or other teams around the league run his offense because he is that good. And they said, once oh, you yeah. master it, you can have a lot of freedom. And I thought that was interesting because I know every defensive player wants a little bit of freedom at least. But once you master the idea, you can have that freedom. So I thought that was interesting. And I'll see if the we'll see if the Eagles players actually go out there and they actually earn that freedom from the Vic Fangio defense. Mark Farzadikin, since we can't see you anymore. I don't know what the hell happened. Someone is screaming there for another. Go. There you go. Uh, someone screaming for another bowl of tricks since they <laughs> don't have to go to school today. Uh, we're going to let you get out the milk of the bowls and take care of you youngins. Thank you much for jumping and in. And I there. apologize again for being a Kyle Shanahan-like game manager. <laughs> That's a bad job. That is no, this just rolls job. into the second overtime. This just rolls into the second overtime. That's all that happens. The rules Thanks, of buddy. engagement slip past us, too. Always uh, a pleasure. Fargy, good stuff. Thanks, bud. John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Farzi always. Yeah, I Kyle that one up, man. Ooh, that was a bad job. I As mean. did I, and I knew he was supposed to be out of 45, but he he didn't look like he wanted to disengage. So I'm going, if we, yeah, we, said, we wind, we wind a, for his head up and we just let him roll. Yeah, it's so a compliment, man. He's kind just of on going him, going not on going us. Going. Yeah. Farzetta can blame himself as far as I'm concerned.
All right. Yeah, he's still listening. Yeah. Yeah, good. He heard that. Uh, Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call one of their two managing partners, either Jim or Fran, and tell them you're a friend of both Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got McMullen and McDonald, Mac and Mac Birds 365 here with you on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thanks to those who have streamed in. While you're here, you might as well hit the like button. Don't like McMullen, don't like like Farzetta. Uh, we give you Farzy the entertainer, and uh, you should at least hit the like button for that. Uh, you should like uh, Jeff Mosher, who's going to join us coming up in less than 20 minutes from now. All right, John, we need to do a little role playing. 
I'm going to play the role of Hassan Reddick's agent. You're going to play the role of Howie Roseman, okay? We'll hypothetically set it up in that the Eagles and Hassan's agent have talked about a contract uh, adjustment. You better hope it's an extension if you're uh, Hassan Reddick. Eagles, if they're just looking to add a little bit of money and and kick the can down the road, I'd tell them, yeah, no, that's not happening. So they've had the conversation. It can't come to terms. The ask number on Hassan Reddick could be years, could be dollars, could be guarantees, whatever it is, is too high for the Eagles liking. The Eagles offer is not good enough and or uh, an affront to Hassan Reddick. So both parties agree, hey, we're not close. We can't even think about bridging this gap. We need to get a third party's opinion in here. Well, one way you can do that is give them permission to go out and seek a trade and see what other NFL teams say the worth of Hassan Reddick would be if he became available. Uh, when you had uh, Farzee on just a minute ago, you threw out the number $25 million, which I think is probably a pretty fair number. It's going to be in that ballpark. I believe that. Um, let, let's make it even a little easier for you. Let's bring it down to 24, not have it at 25. I got the list of all the pass rushers that I could run them down for you if need be. Um, Bosa's in a world by himself at 34 million. Uh, JT Watts, 28. Joey Bosa's 27. Garrett's 25. Montez Sweat is 24 and a half. Those are your top five. So we'll bring him just below. He's just outside the top five. Say it's 24. Three and what is that? 72? Uh, no, no, yeah, three and 72 for uh, a deal. Let's say Hassan Reddick goes out there and finds that but it's from a team that he'd prefer not to play with just for entertainment's sake. Let's make it the Washington commanders. Let's say it's Washington. He's got to stay in division. He's got to go play for a team against the Philadelphia Eagles twice a year for the next three years. If he's going to get all three years of his contract, then he doesn't really want to go, but he wants to get paid. So the commanders put that offer three and 20 at 24 on the table and they're willing to give up a second round pick, which Howie Roseman can absolutely look at because the Washington second round pick is about as high as it gets. It's a high second round pick. Washington will probably try and offer you a third and maybe a secondary pick. But but just for argument's sake, let's say they put their second round pick on the table. If you're Howie Roseman, you taking a pick and walking away? Yeah, I'm not going. I'm not <clears throat> I'm not going near uh 24 million, 23 million. Um, um, and I don't think he's going to find that, to be honest, on the open market. So if he does, and somebody's willing to give me a second round pick, and as you mentioned, it's not a good team, yeah, I'm say thank you very much. And that's the win win situation the Eagles are looking for in, in the trade, you know, as it was explained. What, what, uh, to what's me, the other win? If it's win-win, there's got to be two wins. What's the other win? Well, win-win yeah. for each team is what. Oh, win-win, win for yeah. some, win for the Eagles. Okay, yeah. I got what you mean. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I think the Eagles would walk away in that scenario and say good luck. And even in division, which is another reason it wouldn't happen, but in this hypothetical um, yeah, I, I don't think they want to go near that number. Um, and that's part of the problem. I mean, and that's 
might be unfair. And I think Hassan had more leverage coming off the 2022 season than the 2023. Certainly been more productive than some of those uh, top-tier peed edge rushers, but because of his size and everything he's been dealing with his entire career, he's still dealing with. That's why he's still got a chip on his shoulder. Um, NFL treats people the way they treat people, but I, you know, we're going to have Brad Spielberger on the show coming up this week. Um, and he does, in my opinion, the best job in the business of, of projecting contracts of free agents. And, you know, so the best edge rushers are <clears throat> on projected to be on the market are Josh Allen and Brian Burns, the other Josh Allen in Jacksonville. And he's got them both being franchised. And the franchise tag is probably going to be around $22.79 million. Um, so to me, that's that would be the high end. So just under $23 million. And then you look at Daniil Hunter, who, again, is bigger, about the same age, been even more productive when healthy. Um, more productive than Reddick. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, that guy, look at, look at his, now he got hurt for two years, but he had a string of, uh, years. Yeah. He's been a really good player. And last year had 15 and a half, 16 and a half sacks, something like that. Um, he's got him at three years, 21.67 million, 40 million guaranteed. Um, and then it goes down to Bryce Huff, um, your guy from the Jets at three years, sixteen point six seven million. So there are guys, Jonathan uh, Greenard from Houston, um, and even the name everybody's going to focus on because Vic's here is Andrew Van Ginkle from Miami who's obviously a big Fangio guy who had a, a good, very good season last year, had been a rotational player, but had to play more because of, of Jalen Phillips getting injured and he played really, really well. And he's got him two years, 6.5 million um, average. So, I mean, if you can get that kind of bargain, you know, they would just swap it out for that second round pick and just try to go about it a different way. So there's a lot of ways they can go, but yeah, I don't, I don't think they want to pay Hassan Reddick anywhere near $25 million. Yeah. I don't think he's getting 25 either, but not far from it, John, you think he's going to take a hometown discount when he gets out? You don't think that's here's the Western phrase. You don't think there's a team out there who, given a chance to acquire him, they're going to have to negotiate. I, Again, I think these things are, are pretty cut and dry. If you're a team who thinks that Howie's going to do the deal for a four-plus, he's not going to do that. You're going to have to get into day two for sure. It's going to have to be either three-plus or a two to get the deal done. You don't think there's a team that's willing to put that into a trade package and get Hassan Reddick for $21, 22000000 Sure. I, I mean, I think there's somebody that might go because th there's desperation. Um, you know, not a lot of teams, you talk about those top paid edge rushers. There's only about 10 of them because not a lot of teams don't have that kind of pass rusher. So, you know, you got to play a certain scheme, obviously. 
Um, and that's been some yeah, of wait the stuff he's dealing you, with. Every, you tell me everybody in the league plays Fangio's defense. So, well, no, not, not anymore. That started to shift. Now already people are going, take a look at Miami. Miami's shifting towards um, the Baltimore defense. Now the Baltimore defense is all the rage. So then are, um, are the Eagles hiring Fangio at just the right time? When the rest of the league is moving away from it, well, now his it, defense it, is not going to be as prepared for as it used to be. If, if you want to run that scheme, he's the guy you want to have. I've said that pretty consistently. I personally don't want to run that scheme. That's where I am. Obviously, the Eagles. Right, but you greater. said the reason that you don't want to run that scheme is because it became too prevalent, and everybody's prepping for it every single week. So it's not that big a deal to prep for it. But you're <clears> telling me that teams are moving away yeah, from it. Well, the they haven't. Well, they it's have, not that prevalent anymore. Well, they haven't. They haven't done it yet. You know. Everybody's already, we saw it with the teams that ran it this year. They were all bad defenses, every single one of them. Miami was the best, and they were middle of the road. Um, and, 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 you know, so that's going to take some time uh, before teams start, you know, wilting at Baltimore's defense or Kansas City's defense, and other people try to copy them and go that direction. The whole cycle starts over, but it's going to take some time. Bix has been the the scheme for five years now, four or five years. It's going to say, take some time before the – but it'll happen. Now, the, the good part of Big Fangio is he's – you know, he understands it. He verbalized it in Miami last year. He said he was kind of upset that everybody was playing it. Um because it becomes easier. Um, and he understands he has to evolve. He's evolved. He hasn't always played the scheme. He's evolved. So he's shown the ability to change anyway. And that's some of your hope and hopefully tweak some things and they play a little bit differently. But yeah, you gotta have you gotta take some time for that. Um and you know, I it it, it all depends. I, I think the Eagles hope is that. It's a slay situation, very similar. Um, you let him go out. You let him test his value. It's not as high as he thought it would be. And then he comes back and plays. You give him uh, uh, an extra year or two with a bunch of guaranteed money up front. Uh, you get the cap number down. You pay him $19 million a year, something like that, and everybody's happy. Uh, I think that's the Eagles' hope, whether it works out that way. Uh, remains to be seen because it only takes one. It always o only takes one. Um, but he's also, you know, he's going to turn 30 in September and that factors into it as well versus guys who are 26 going on their second contract. It's just the way the league does business. One of the guys that I, <coughs> excuse me, one of the guys I think that's actually going to end up hurting Hassan Reddick uh, and agree or disagree with this. I think James Bradbury has put Hassan Reddick in a trickier position because last year the Eagles made a value judgment. Do we want to keep a guy who's turning 30, but plays at a, in our opinion, more important position, cornerback rather than a safety like a uh, CJGJ. And they made the commitment to Bradbury. How'd that work? Not good. Yeah, it doesn't help. Yeah, I will say it doesn't help. Yeah, it makes you a little bit more gun shy as players age. Um, I I don't think they'll look at it in the same way and say because James, 
pretty much fell off a cliff. I don't expect that to happen to Hassan Reddick, but nor do I. Can, but you're still you're still feeling the sting of this season from James Bradbury. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, and remember, I mean, look, he had a 2022. He was phenomenal, phenomenal. Hassan Reddick, I'm telling. Well, so was Bradbury, but you know, when he already had the downtick. You know, he wasn't as good this year as he was in 2022. So that's in the back of your mind as well. So, but if you're Howie Roseman, we're stepping into Howie's shoes a lot today. You blaming it more on father time, or you blaming it on your defense just wasn't good enough. The coaching that you got from your defense. Are you thinking this was oh, more well, that... on the son or more on the organization? No, I mean, a lot. On the organization, a lot on the personnel, a lot on the supporting cast. I think you can make a strong argument. He was still their best defensive player. Yeah. Um, I think he's number two, but I you can make the argument he was number one. Who's um, number two? Who's number one? Jalen Carter. Um that that's projection. No, the the way he played um when he was out there, uh, he was the Eagles' best defensive player. Uh, just like AJ was their best offensive player. Um, yeah, I mean, he was very good. People look at, he didn't get a lot of sacks. He was still beating people. Same thing with Hassan. It's, it's, well, if you beat somebody and the other guy's not doing his job and, uh, you know, it, everything affects, especially on the pass rush, Jalen Carter was, yeah, I think it was pretty. And even if you look at PFF, they had a number five defensive tackle. He was, he was their best. Uh, defensive player. Now he's got to play more and he's got to get better conditioning. I'm not saying he's perfect, but I think he was the best, but you can make an argument. Hassan was still number one, either way. Number one, number two, the defense as a whole though. Yeah. Bad coaching, bad scheme, bad personnel. I mean, and he's one of the only pieces of good personnel they had last season that's so. gonna and then that just ratcheted up the pressure of the draft if you're going to exchange either your first or second best defensive player for a draft pick that draft pick better be able to step into play well, yeah, you right gotta, away you, you right away hitting hitting draft now you can see the eagles knew this was coming it's one of the main reasons nolan smith was here and brought in and drafted because it's not only uh Hassan Reddick, but also Josh Sweat is a- entering the final year of his extension. Um, so, you know, they wanted Nolan Smith to take over for one of them. And I, I don't know how you have any confidence in that happening. I'm not ready to give up on the guy, but I don't know how you can go into the 2024 season similarly to what you did last year with Nicobe Dean at linebacker and say, well, Nolan Smith is going to be one of the edge rushers. I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can do that. Not after how much he played this year. And you know, I critiqued Gannon for this last year. Shame on him. Did a, re- a much better job than John Q. Public thought he did here in Philadelphia. He did not get Nicobe Dean up to speed for this 2023 season. I know they're in the midst of making a Super Bowl run and their linebackers were playing well, but as you just laid out, Howie Roseman, the organization, always has an eye on not only today, 
but tomorrow and next week and next year as well. And that's one of the reasons why they're a successful organization because they do business that way. But some people have to row in the same direction and that's your coaching staff. And they did not do that with Nicobe Dean last year. And they did that not do that with their uh, th- number 30 pick defensive lineman this year. I'm not there. I'm not viewing every single practice. Well, I will say Nolan uh, Nolan played a heck of a lot more than N'Kobe Dean as a rookie, and he just wasn't effective. Now, he didn't play a lot, but N'Kobe barely played at all. He he played. N'Kobe was also a third-round pick, and Nolan Smith was a first-round yeah. pick. He played, and he was not effective uh, when he did play. And, I mean, again, doesn't mean sometimes he's got to get stronger there's no question he needs to – this is going to be a big offseason for him when it comes to the weight room and get getting ready to play at the NFL level. Um, he's not done. I'm not I'm not writing him off. But when he did get opportunities, he didn't do a lot with them. Yeah, and I'll compare him to the other first-round picks with percentage of snaps played. Not good. Other first-round picks around the league were playing a hell of a lot more than Nolan Smith did. I think that's a more fair comp- uh, comparison to how much Nicobe Dean had played. Where you picked in the first round does set your uh, overall expectation as to how much you're going to be able to contribute in year one. All right, McMullen and McDonald going to take quick time out. We see Jeff Mosher ready to jump aboard, Mr. Inside the birds.com busy these last couple of weeks. I'm trying to get them out. I got to go to senior ball, Joe, to Super Bowl week. I finally got an opening in the Mosher schedule. We're glad to be able to pull them in with us. Jeff Mosher next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald hanging with Jeff Mosher from InsideTheBirds.com, the podcast, everything else. Good to get Mosher on. He's got a half a smile on for us. We appreciate that greatly. Um, I don't know if you listen to Johnny and I kicking around back and forth right before we punched you up. Um, Hassan Reddick with the kind of a surprise announcement, not the fact that it came to this level, but Super Bowl Sunday, really? That's when you're going to announce that you've given him permission to seek a trade. How big a gulf do you think there is between Hassan Reddick's ass number and the Eagles offer number, if we're correctly assuming? They've had some negotiations and they're both like, yeah, no, you aren't even in my ballpark. You, you got to get into the same zip code with me here. How much a difference do you think per year they're at right now? That's a great question. Uh, I would love to know that. I'm sure we all would. Um, I, I think the Eagles are smart enough to know that $15 million is a steal and a bargain for them. Um, the top of the market money, and this is what we don't know, is Hassan Reddick looking at the top of the market, which is what Nick Bosa at Nick, Yeah, well, if he's looking at Nick, no shot. Exactly, but, but I'm, not even, I'm not even thinking that, John. I'm thinking yeah. like is a lot of times agents look ahead as to what the next wave yeah. of the agents are going to make. And then, you know, uh, Micah Parsons is going to get a deal most likely and reset the market. Brian Burns, who has not been as productive, but is still a younger and, and a good player, is looking for a lot of money. So... It could be a big gap if that's what the representation is looking at, or it could be something that's closer than we might all think. And that's why the Eagles are saying, why don't you go out and see what a team is willing to pay you? And we'll see where we're at with that. Yeah. And I think it's a good way to do it. I mean, a similar thing they did with Slay last year and Slay went out there and now you know, he's older and obviously that affects things. And, all of a sudden, he came back and said, yeah, I guess the money's not out there, and they were able to work something out. I think that's the hope of the Eagles. Um, pass rushes, though, you know, and Hassan's been uh, very productive, as you mentioned, Jeff, four consecutive years, uh, double-digit sacks. But he's got this chip on his shoulder for a reason. And for whatever reason, this league looks at Hassan Reddick, and they have in the past, whether it's the fact that he's undersized, the Eagles got this deal in the first place because teams didn't look at him as the production type player that he is. Why, why that disconnect about this guy specifically? 
Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a great question, John. Um, the fact that the Eagles two years ago got him at a 15, three years, 15 per year when he was coming off two straight years, right, of double-digit yeah. sacks the last year with Arizona, the first year with Carolina, um, and then became like the first guy, I think, in NFL history to have three straight years of double-digit sacks with three different teams. Three different teams, uh, right. Right, it is interesting. I, I mean, it is fair to say he doesn't fit every single style of defense. You know, um, if you're a 4-3, if you're a Jim Schwartz team and you like your defensive ends uh, fast upfield, yes, but play with their hand in the dirt, redirect the run, maybe he's not the best fit. You're, you're looking more of your Miles Garrett traditional 4-3 types. But um, there are enough teams that are playing either 3-4 or Fangio-type templates that he does fit. Um, so it is a good question. And and I don't I can't sit here and tell you the, until we get more info that the league doesn't value him now. Yeah. Uh, I just know that, yeah, you're right, two, two years ago, and I think this goes back to sort of being labeled as a tweener, as a guy coming out of school without a real solidified position. The Cardinals tried to make him an off-ball linebacker. didn't work. Then they put him on the edge. Bad team, big sacks. We see that all the time, right? Then he goes to another team, Panthers, bad team, decent amount of sacks. I I, I guess that the NFL didn't really believe in the, the total package there until recently, and we'll see. And now, uh, now unfortunately for him, John, you know, he's going to be 30 and yep. that that works against him too. I, I I appreciate this man, and I and I definitely think he deserves to get paid a lot more. But as we sit here today, I do question what kind of leverage he thinks he has, unless he's willing to hold out an entire year. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, it's not exactly. You know what I said, Jeff? He should have held in, not hold out, hold in. The hold in, you saw a couple guys, most mm -hmm. namely Daniil Hunter. I always bring up because he's another guy. Um, pass rusher, very effective, but in a more traditional passion that you're talking about. So teams look at Daniel Hunter and say, all right, that guy's an edge rusher. Um, he held in last year. So he showed up to camp, didn't get fined. They pretended he had an injury. They worked out a deal behind the scenes. Hassan, that was his moment, man. If you remember, he's coming off the season, 19 and a half sacks in 19 games. Fourth in defensive player of the year voting. Just phenomenal. He showed up with a groin injury. All of us said, you know, you heard that term. What's the situation? Well, the situation has unveiled itself. Mm -hmm. Had the leverage last year as much as he was going to have. Now, you got two years left on your deal, so that part of it doesn't equate. But the Eagles know he outperformed his contract. Right. I believe if he held in, they would have, adjusted it somewhat Agree or it's possible it's possible because they they didn't have you know and they're in the same position now but still they do have leverage but they just don't have anybody that can do what what he does nolan smith i don't think we haven't seen him be ready to just play that position no. full time and and on and josh sweat is actually coming off a regression which only helps hassan reddick theoretically Correct. theoretically but not really yeah well, Hassan regret. Why not That's really? The point though, uh, see, I don't. I don't believe game. that, John. I, I think that the way they used him. I know his stats, his sacks went down by yeah. four. I think the, the the first four weeks he was hampered. But if you look at his quarterback hits and his tackles for a loss, one of them is just a few behind last year, and one of them is more than last year. I just, if you just look at it on sacks, yes. But I, I thought he was consistently generating pressure for what the Eagles were able to do last year. Yeah, I thought he still played well. Bang, and bang, bang on him, you know? So we started with the cast on his hand because he broke his thumb. 
and he wasn't effective. And then he had that run. I think he had all 11 of his sacks in 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. And then everybody collapsed at the end, the whole defense. So. Right. But I didn't, I didn't see like a loss of edge speed or. No, oh, no, that. no. That's With Josh Sweat, we could visibly see a different guy, right? A guy dragging the leg or crashing into the tackle, not using speed to power. With Hassan, I think he just got caught up in those last three weeks in a defense that was imploding and had no identity. And one of the things, I, th- if I'm Hassan's agent and I'm going out and I'm selling them on the open market and seeing the best off I can get, one of the things I'm bringing to the table is this guy plays every week. He doesn't get hurt. He's played every game since he's come into the National Football League. Just uh, look at it through an eagle lens. Josh Sweat, not so much. Yeah. Injuries before he ever got here. Injuries while he's been here. Hassan Redekans has fell every single week yeah. on his right hand. That's the kind of guy you want to make. That's someone you're willing to push the envelope for to pay a little bit more. I'm telling you, it's Hassan Reddick. Well, there's no doubt in my mind, Jody, that his representation can find him a team that will be willing to pay him pretty close to what he's looking for, if not what he's looking for. But then the question becomes, is that team going to give the Eagles the compensation they want? Again, they can By the way, what do you think that is? Second round pick? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, the Eagles think, are probably not going to take less. They're not getting a first. Right. Is it pretty cut and dry? It's going to be a second round pick. I would say like a top 45, 50 pick. Yeah. 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 I, think, I so. think they'd even want a little bit more like a top 45 and then maybe a fourth, maybe something. Right. Well, maybe you know, the Eagles are the the, the, yeah. the NFL leaders in you give yeah. me like yes. that and then your sixth round pick yeah. and I'll give you Reddick and a eighth or a seventh yeah. round pick. We'll exactly. Sides in the sixth round. So. And Howie basically asked for a second-round pick for everybody, so he damn well is going to ask a, a second-round pick for Hassan Reddick. But That's uh, very true, very true. Um, but so let's take it the next logical step. Let's say it doesn't work. Let's say Hassan gets the offer that he needs, close to it, not wowed over, not blown away, not uh, in Bosa's neighborhood, but uh, certainly higher than where the Eagles want to go. But the other team does draw a hard line and says, no, third, that's it. That's all we're giving it to you. How bad would it get? New defensive quarter, him being forced to come back, hold in. John suggests he should have done it last year. He's going to go down that road this year. That's for damn sure if they don't trade him. How bad will it be in camp under Fangio telling him, and you're not practicing again today, why? Yeah, I mean, I think for a player of Hassan Reddick, if he's not happy, if a a deal was there but not consummated because of the trade and he wants to not show up for OTAs and not show up for training camp and, you know, sort of do the Chris Jones thing, I'll show up like uh, a day before the season starts. That's why Chris Jones didn't have a contract. He's under contract. I know. That's why I say hold in. Right, hold in. I don't don't think Vic Fangio, I don't think Nick Sirianni, I don't think Howie Roseman's going to lose about two minutes of sleep over it. I mean, the duties of a pass rusher, of an edge rusher, in Vic Fangio's defense aren't going to be a whole lot different than they were in Jonathan Gannon's defense or even what Sean Desai was doing. Maybe a little bit different than what Patricia was doing, but he's not here. They don't practice hard or very long anyway. <laughs> I, trust me, that the, that's the last. They if yeah. Nolan Smith says I'm not showing up, then they got problems, right? Uh-huh. But that's not going to happen. If Hassan Reddick, who's now seven years in the league, right, doesn't show up, they're probably thinking we don't need you anyway. So you can be upset, you can be on your couch, you can be mad, but we know you're going to be there in September because you have to be if you want to make money. Um. 
you and Adam are, are very plugged in when it comes to the coaching aspect. So I want to get your thoughts on what the hell's going on with the staff. You would think, Jeff, um, and you see Dan Quinn in Washington. I mean, boom, 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 boom. He's ready. He's got his assistants. You would think you hire Vic Bangio, you hire Kellen Moore, experienced coordinators. They got their guys ready. They got their guys ready to go. What, what's going on here? Why is there trick, trickling in? Why is it taking so long for this team to put together a stat? Well, as you know, John, the Eagles don't exactly operate uh, the way other teams do. And um, even when they do have guys in the fold, they will not announce it all until every last yeah. guy is officially signed. Uh, some, you know, obviously Vic has brought in his guys from Clint Hurt to Joe Casper. I guess that's his guy, even though he started with the Eagles. Yeah. Um, Christian Parker. Coach, right? Yeah, that they brought in. And then obviously the quarterback's coach for, for uh, Kellen Moore, Doug Nussmeyer. It's my understanding that Aaron Moorhead and, and Jamal Singleton, as of right at this moment, are still going to be on the staff. So maybe Kellen Moore wasn't as forceful about having – his own receivers coach, his own. Yeah, I was surprised. Devontae kind of mentioned Amo still with us, which yeah. that surprised me. Yeah. Um, Jamal doesn't surprise me. Uh, assistant head coach, I think he did a good job. And I, I don't agree. know if they're trying to give uh, uh, Nick a few things. You expect Kevin Petulo, obviously, he'll be back. Uh, Tyler Scudder's an interesting one to me because. He was the assistant linebackers coach, not a big role, but he's very close to Nick Sirianni. So to me, it was always about the guys that are really close to Nick Sirianni. Are, gonna, are you going to allow him to keep those guys? Um, mm -hmm. Ronaldo Hill, though, is an interesting one to me because it's clear now he's not going to be back in Miami. Um, he was the, I believe, secondary coach slash defensive passing game coordinator. And mm -hmm. Nick had this interesting setup. So he had a, he had that secondary coach, defensive pass game coordinator. Then he had a cornerbacks coach, passing game specialist. And then he had a safeties coach, which was Joe Casper, as you mentioned. Now he already brought in Casper and he brought in Christian Parker, who he had out in Denver. To me, if you bring in Ronaldo Hill, then it's you have the same setup. Mm -hmm. Any intel on that? Is that the way that Vic wants to go? Haven't heard yet. Um, we'll. I don't think Vic has had that setup exactly in every stop. That that the whole. No, that was just my right, idea. right. Yeah, the whole yeah. pass game. A lot of times, John, and you know this. A lot of times, these titles are given as a way to give a guy some extra yeah. money and give him clout and try to promote him so that he gets a job down the road. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, but it is very, very typical of the Eagles to have a bigger coaching staff than other teams. So it would not surprise me if Ronaldo Hill or somebody else that Vic fan has worked with Vic does hop aboard eventually. I uh, know that uh, you guys both talked about on show and your podcast on the website a couple different times about where the separation came with the Eagles defense this year, that, the defensive coordinator just lost control of his room and that guys were questioning him and not busting it for him. And there was a major disconnect between Sean Desai and too many of the Eagles defensive players. Nick Sirianni reacted to it. He reacted to it by going, yeah, I might have to think about making a change, 
putting Max Patricia in charge. Uh-oh, that's not good. He did that. Didn't work. Uh, how did it get away? Was Desai just a bad hire? Was he not good enough? Did the Eagle defensive players take too big an attitude after being in the Super Bowl the year before? Why did the disconnect come down? You know, you're asking a really good question, Jody, and I'm not a player for Sean Desai. So only, I, I think that when you report something the way it did and that the disconnect was there and that the players were not happy with Sean Desai and that Sean Desai was a my way or highway uh, type of guy and, and sort of set a, a contemptuous relationship there, that it, it almost seems like the reporter himself is now taking a side. I'm not. I can't, you know, you, you were, the, were the players spoiled? Certainly the players on the defense over the last few years, there have been times where they've had their say in whether a coach stays or goes. I mean, the defensive line coaches switched jobs, you know, six or seven times in the last seven or eight years, despite all the success that the D-line has had. Uh, but the way it was put to me, well, from people who know the situation, no Sean, no Eagles, is that, you know, Sean's really smart. He has a master's, I think, in education. Yeah. Um, you would enough. think that that also would give somebody an open door to having a really good communicative uh, process with the players, but that's not the way it was described to me. It was not a very good lines of communication going back and forth. And as it got worse, there was friction that really developed between certain, I don't want to say everybody. Um, I, I spoke to mostly veterans or agents from veterans um, between them and, and Sean Desai. So I, I, I can understand why Nick Sirianni felt like maybe there's going to be a mutiny here if I don't make a change. What I don't understand is, well, I, I, I sort of understand why you keep him around, although I think it was a bad idea to keep him around. But you had to keep him around because he's the only one who knew your scheme inside out. And then you had to, I guess, have help him help Patricia understand the scheme, which to me is ridiculous. I mean, it's not like Patricia just walked in the door the day they handed him the play yeah. calls. It's supposed yeah. to be like one of the, the most brightest, smartest, you know, neurospace engineer type guy. Like he couldn't figure out what to do without crowbarring his own Patricia uh, Belichick concepts in. It was it was a mess, guys. You guys know that. You saw yeah. it. It looked like a mess. And unfortunately, <sighs> Unfortunately, the you know you look back on it in hindsight it's easy, but it it feels like if they had just stuck with Denard Wilson as their defensive coordinator, a guy who had done a great job with the defensive backs, probably the best defensive backs coaching job they've had in two decades, then things could have probably been better. Yeah, and there was you know obviously if the timing worked out, Vic Fangio would have been the defensive coordinator here last season. Right. Um, and Vic kind of recommended Sean Desai. Sean Desai's a big Fangio guy. Mm -hmm. So that's why they tilted away from Denard Wilson. Yep. I don't, I don't know if they made good decisions. <laughs> Let's. Well, we know in hindsight they didn't. But, yeah, keeping them around, Jeff, that's just – I don't – I can't – that makes no sense to me. No yeah. sense whatsoever. Your, your point about – him being the one that knows the defense the best, it's an interesting one. But if you don't think he's good enough to run it, you know, it still doesn't um, equate to me. But the Super Bowl, and I want to bring up the Super Bowl for one reason specifically. Uh, Andy Reid, I believe he was talking to Peter King afterwards. I believe it was Peter. It might have been Albert Breer, so I apologize if I get it wrong. But he had... Late in the season, he the Chiefs got really 
surprised by the Las Vegas Raiders, and they the Raiders really beat up the Chiefs. Yeah, it was Peter King. Yeah, King and had- it was it was Peter. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andy texted Antonio Pierce to thank him. Uh, and For and one of the things, that. yeah, and one of the things he said was, you know, you get complacent in this industry. So and and that just clicked for me because we're all trying to figure out what the hell went wrong with this team. Ten and one, falling off the table, defense. We just talked about the offense and staleness and ad nauseum. We've all gone back and forth with this kind of stuff. And I said, I think they just got complacent. I think Andy had his, as he usually does, had his finger on the pulse. Believe that or not not believe it? Um, I think that there's certainly an element there to that. I think that that's something Nick Sirianni has to look at from top to bottom. I mean, I, I can't – I think every spring we talk about the Eagles, OTAs, and then summer, their training camp being less and less than the year before. And, I, and we always say, well, this is the way the times are. This is the way the strength and conditioning staff wants it. It's worked so far. But when you keep saying year after year that it's even less than the year before, there's going to be a line, right, where you get to and you say, wait a minute, how far have we drifted away to what real practice and what real competition is in the name of body preservation? All right. Like I got it as you slowly trickled away from the three hour practices and the practices. Okay, totally makes sense. But I think last year more was the first time I said, I don't know about this, man. Like, if if this is really what Jody loves be, this, by the way, Jody's completely on board with. Yeah, it. and then oh, yeah. I'm I'm usually not because for, they've been doing this for years, and and all yeah. the time I've said, okay, okay, but you can't keep looking year after year after year doing less and less and less and expecting the same result. In my opinion, we'll see, we'll see what happens. So I think that's one way to start, and then I don't think Britton Covey was intending to throw his coaches under the bus when he was on Radio Row. Because he kept saying, look, our offense was good enough to get to the Super Bowl two years ago. So that can't be the pro- – but teams were starting to figure us out. And I don't think he meant to throw Nick Sirianni under the bus, but in it, what he was – he is. And it, whether he realizes or not, he's saying, we didn't adjust to the adjustment. We just think our offense is good enough because of the talent and the scheme to go to a Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden teams started to play us harder and do things differently, but we still have enough talent to get to the Super Bowl. Fine, but you need to adjust to the adjustment. That's what all the great quarterbacks do. Tom Brady wasn't the same quarterback in his first five years, then his middle five years, then his last five years. That's what great coaches do. Andy Reid's offense now looks nothing like Andy Reid's offense when he was going to three straight or four straight championship games in a Super Bowl with the Eagles. So Nick, well, and and it's going to happen whether Nick wants it or not, right, because of Kellen Moore, but they needed a refresher. They needed not a total reset, but they need the new ideas and the new concepts. And, oh, by the way, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl in the fourth five-year grouping with (laughs) another team, as a matter of fact. He was that good. Uh, And uh, thank you very much for acknowledging the Eagles don't practice enough. Um, and they can't make the they don't have the leg to stand on this year because a they got hurt. The whole reason to not do it is not get hurt. They had D backs dropping like flies, and then guess what? When you put the D backs in playing out of position, maybe if you'd practiced a little bit longer, they would have been a little bit more ready to step in and play. Yeah, it's gonna be very difficult to make that argument this year that less is more. Well, let me let me 
Let me also interject that it oh, the discussion always should center around talent first, right? And missing on a third-round pick linebacker a couple of years ago in Davion Taylor and then not getting health out of Nicobe Dean, that's two players who should be have been your linebackers yeah. this year. Yeah, everybody points that's to not- San Francisco. Brad right. Warner was a third-round pick. Drake Greenlaw was a fifth-round pick. 100%. It, it, the Eagles have tried to find players. But right. they either misevaluated or, in the case of Nicobe Dean, injuries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the Eagles have misevaluated linebacker, cornerback, and safety for the better part of 15, 20 years. Yes, they have a couple good ones like Jordan Hicks and Michael Kendricks. But if you took the totality yeah. of those positions and said, how well have they done here in the draft compared to O line, D line, and other positions? It's way far behind. So, I, but I agree with you, John. I don't think this means that the Eagles all of a sudden have to shift philosophy and draft a linebacker in the first round. They just need to draft a line like the Chiefs, a Nick Bolton, a Willie Gay, draft a linebacker yeah. in the second or third round who can stay healthy and play. We'll see if uh, the defensive coordinator can uh, coach that guy up and and make him into a player who contributes. All right, since you went to the draft, know you were down at the Senior Bowl, and the Senior Bowl isn't the be all end all of the draft because. There are a whole bunch of guys that don't play in the senior bowl that are underclassmen that are going to be taken in the first round. So even though this is more of a first round pick than anything else, but feel free to go down to the second or third. Um, If they're on the clock at 22 and there are two players there with very similar grades, I mean like this much between them, one ahead of the other, but a minuscule or, or the exact same grades. One's a defensive edge rusher. The other one's a tackle. The Eagles love to draft in the trenches. That is their number one philosophy. Maybe above all other philosophies is trenches out. They go on offensive line or defensive line in the first round motion. I love your hypotheticals, brother. (laughs) (laughs) How about we really make it fun and throw a cornerback in there too while we're at it? Um, That's a good one because it's positions they value, though. So, you know, it's easy if it's offensive line versus linebacker, running back. Yeah. Oh, they're going to take a running back at 22. That's going to happen. I think it's such a strong tackle. I think maybe edge, Jody, just for the sake of your uh, argument here. and then you might even be able to get a pretty good offensive tackle this year's draft in the second round. Yeah, so, there's so uh, many of them. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure you're going to get a, a blue chip edge in the second round compared to a tackle. So I, I would go, I'll take your hypothetical here, unlike Chip Kelly, uh, and I'll address it and I'll go with the edge. But if you told me edge versus a really good corner, maybe we're having a discussion on that too. Well, the kid from Toledo, oh, that, that, he, he had a great senior bowl yeah. um, from everybody down there. I assume you you had the same take, Jeff. Um, yeah, yeah. I talked to him a little bit, too. Was it Quavon Mitchell? Quinion Mitchell. Quinion Mitchell. And the Eagles I, have a nice little intel on him because his head coach at Toledo, Jason Candle, was was Nick Sirianni's roommate at Mount Union. There we go. So, That's good. Oh, uh, good, good connection good info, info from uh, – from Jeff Mosher. Yeah. But here's now there's maybe, you know, one thing I noticed with Daniel Jeremiah, I mentioned this on the show, Jeff, his top 50, his first top 50, I think maybe he had three or four corners in that mix, say top 22, had like nine tackles. He had nine tackles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, that would indicate 
corners are going to get pushed up the board for the cornerback desperate teams, the tackles, you're going to get a really good tackle that falls down because everybody can't take a tackle or right. will want to take a tackle. And man, that's how he's wheelhouse, man. It he's is. Sitting, Tyler Guyton sitting there at 22. You got to stay. Heir apparent to Lane Johnson. Lane Menders mentors him. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a perfect Eagles pick. If you're a betting man, I'm just saying. Hey, listen, Andrew DiCecco's first mock draft had Tyler Guyton as there the we go. first round. So uh, it would not surprise me uh, in the least. And I know people are going to say, oh, you can't take a guy who's going to sit for two years. But you, the Eagles draft for the future. That's the way you should draft, by the way. You yes. fix your holes in free agency and you draft for the future. Yeah. Yeah, but Tony's oh, shaking his head. He doesn't. I absolutely <laughs> disagree. Yes. Um, not with the first round pick. You're right. You have to address things. You have to better to be prepared and have depth. I agree. The Eagles are going to have, as of now, eight picks. In I seven would give rounds. you a homework assignment, Jody, and I would have you take all of the guys drafted from, say, 15 to 32. First round, right? Okay. 15 to 32 Second over the last first round. Got six or seven years and tell me what percentage of them were solid starters in their first year. I guarantee you, because I've already done sort of the work on it, yeah. it's not as high yeah, as you not, think. Yeah, it's not. If, if you're talking not, a top 10 pick, Jody, I'm agreeing with you. If you're talking anything after 15, no. I don't think you draft for immediate holes. Those guys get hurt. Those guys have learning curve. You saw Nolan Smith. You loved Nolan Smith. The guy could got on the field, didn't know what he was doing. And that's not yeah. his fault. He's just not strong enough. And he's getting, you know, jockeyed between positions. But if you were hoping, if you pick a Nolan Smith type player thinking, that's my edge, my rookie edge, you're what he's fixing my edge hole. Then you're 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 mistaken. Yeah, but well, a couple things. Number one, I wasn't as big a Nolan Smith. There might have been other huge. No, I don't. Well, I just remember pick. you asked I, me a lot about him during the year. Right, I thought he was a good value pick at thirty, but it wasn't like, oh my god, the Eagles got the best edge player at the bottom of the first round. So I, I thought it was tremendous value at that pick. I did. I thought, I thought it was, it was tremendous. I thought time. it was very good. I I wouldn't say tremendous. Number two. Um, it depends on what you have in front of you. You, you give me the 15 through 32. Mm-hmm. If you've got a guy who's got two years left of top level value, and oh, by the way, uh, I believe that Lane Johnson's playing at least two more years at a very high level. I surely hope that Jordan Marlott is playing another two years. Out. So but you, you have to guarantee he's going to stay healthy. Right. Uh, but you got to plug them into the situation as to what the expectations are they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't take a tackle if I'm the Eagles. I got pick number 22, and I've got Jordan Mylotta and Lane Johnson. I can't use that pick on a tackle. That, that's me. If I'm Howie Roseman, if 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 you're not as stable a situation as the Eagles are at the tackle position, then yeah, if it's only one year, there's going to be a grooming period. He's going to, and then a year after you're plugging him in at uh, day one of year two. Okay, I'm fine with that. Uh, you think that either Lane Johnson or uh, Jordan Mylotta will be done? By the start of 2025? I think it's very possible either one of them could get hurt and miss six or seven games like um, Jason Peters did in 2017, missed a lot of games. And when you have a pick that you can slide in there who can play the position, um, it's worth it. Yeah, I do. I mean, if if Landon Dickerson was – I mean, they certainly didn't need a guard that year. They drafted Landon Dickerson. They had Brandon Brooks and they had Isaac Sayamalu. Well, guess what? Both of those guys – Got hurt and they slid Landon Dickerson right in. And Cam made- Jurgens, the Cam you know, Jurgens, Cam, yeah. yeah, yeah, They kind of, and how he said it when he drafted Cam Jurgens, he actually quoted the quote uh, and 
paraphrasing a little bit was, I know the fans are going to be upset, but that's how we build this thing. That's how we roll. Yeah. Uh, and if it's even, he's going to take the offensive or defensive lineman. And by the way, I agree with the Eagles' philosophy. Uh, and I agree with uh, at Jeff P. Mosher quite a bit inside the birds. InsideTheBirds.com does a tremendous job. The podcast there with Adam Kaplan. Our buddy Andrew DiCecco does a phenomenal job. You mentioned his first mock draft is out there, so people should go check that out. Um, I guess I'll end it with uh, the Tom Brady. I don't. Did you see Tom Brady on on Steve Young's podcast at all? No, talking I about modern quarterback play, Jeff. Phenomenal. I heard he said something very profound, though. Can Can you give me very, the thoughts on it? Very profound. Basically said. The modern quarterback, and too many Eagles fans thought he was talking about Jalen Hurts. He was talking about the general modern quarterback. A lot of times, and I've been trying to explain this on Birds 365 for three years, and Tom did it in five words. (laughs) They're calling probabilities uh, play callers. That's Mm -hmm. what they do. If it's third and short, you're probably going to get man. You want run a bunch of man beaters if you're playing. You know, cover. You're playing probabilities. It's at that point. It's the quarterback's job. If you're getting something you didn't expect from the play call, to adjust at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Too many young quarterbacks cannot do that, and they they snap the football, and they're like, "Oh man, we're not going to. We got a bunch of crossers and cover two. It's not going to be open. Just run right. the football." Right. It was brilliant. I, I encourage you to check it out. He wasn't talking specifically about Jalen Hurts, but that's part of the problem with the sure. modern quarterback. And I think everyone looks at the play caller. They're just calling probabilities. If the quarterback the is term, responsible. The term yeah. highly schemed offense has become very vogue, right, in the NFL. Yeah. And it's absolutely true. And it's not just Jalen Hurts. I mean, you, I think Brock Purdy is another – example of a guy playing in a highly schemed offense based on probabilities. And I think you look all around the league where you, you, and you can, the eye test will tell you like when a guy you could tell has a good feel for what's going on, for the ability to change a play, the ability to just, I mean, it's not just Patrick Mahomes. You know, I think there are a lot of court. I think Jordan Love is starting to enter that. Territory. Yes. I don't know I how highly schemed. Yeah. I think he's able to get a feel. You saw that in the playoffs of, where it's coming from, what to do, how to react to the reaction, how to adjust to the adjustment. Um, I thought you saw that from him, but yeah, but I think a lot of rope, I think a lot of quarterback play all across the league is robotic and well, I would say offensive play. And what bothers me about it, Jody, is, is that I think that people get the, the stigma here that these quarterbacks can't do it. I just think it's the coaches don't want them to. They don't yeah, give them they the are. opportunity to do it. Cause I think Jalen Hurts has already shown to be more of a processor at the NFL level than he was at Oklahoma when he was in a one read and go offense. He wasn't allowed to have the second read at Oklahoma because maybe the coaches didn't want him to, didn't think it was an effective enough play as him taking off, but he can get to the second and the third reads now. I mean, obviously he struggled there at the end with the whole offense in disarray, but I don't think coaches show enough faith in quarterbacks to be able to do that because yeah, it's their scheme and I, they want it run the way they want it run. I disagree with you this year. I think Jalen had a lot of say on the offense and run or pass, come to the line of scrimmage. That's different. RPO, RPO RPOs are, I, I try to tell, preach. Yeah, very yeah, different. There's a difference it's, there. It's just baked in. You're doing a math equation. 
Right. And 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 basically, all right, the extra guys in the box, you kill the play, you go from run to pass or vice versa. It is not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not talking about the RPOs. Uh, Brian Johnson went up there and said every play. Every eagle play won an RPO. So every play, Jalen walks up to the line of scrimmage, and he's got a running play, he's got a passing play to pick mm-hmm. from, and he makes the call at the line. They gave him a lot of latitude to That's do that this every year. Every quarterback, though. That's yeah, modern but NFL thing is, do they go well, into training That doesn't play to what Jeff just said. Jeff said, well, they're not giving the quarterback enough of a chance. To, I'm talking yeah. about setting protections, flipping plays. Like, he may have some autonomy on that, but what I'm talking about is giving the quarterback the keys to the offense and we'll see this coming year and saying, this is your show. Like a, a quarterback have to have yeah. that ability to understand the feel of the game. That's my, That was my biggest criticism that. about Chip Kelly in the moment was that if you gave Chip Kelly, Tom Brady or Pete Manning, he wouldn't want him. He didn't want that quarterback because he wanted people to run his offense. Mm-hmm. And that to me is just awful, awful. You should be trying to get Tom Brady and Pete Manning at all times, guys who can run the offense at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And too many coaches in modern NFL, they're not. They might say they don't have enough time to practice it. They don't have enough time to teach it. But boy, man, I think it's more to what Jeff said. They got big egos, and they yeah, want to run what they want to run. Didn't Tom Brady and, and Peyton Manning earn that? I know Peyton well, was, they was given a chance, right? They were given, yeah. And Jody, you might be right. You might be right that Jalen Hurts can't do it or isn't good at it. But like, how do we know until he's has the opportunity? If oh, just definitely you're definitely out of offense, you're yeah. going to get caught up to. Yeah, but yeah. they definitely I, earned it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they didn't just. Uh, and Peyton was the number one pick, so he came in with some gravitas. Friggin' Brady was the sixth rounder, so he had to earn it. I don't know that all the quarterbacks in the league have earned it yet. Patrick Mahomes has. And he's in a, a zip code all by himself. But everybody else, I don't know that they just let's turn the offense over to the quarterback. All right, here's the last question. And we're late. And thank you very much for staying with us. But I do want you to answer this one. The Eagles in the last 10 years, since Lane Johnson, have used one first-round draft pick on an offensive lineman. And I think we can all agree, Andre Dillard being a first-round draft pick, what happened was a disappointment. Uh, and he goes free agent. They don't even get anything for him in a deal started a handful of games over the course of five, six years, whatever it was. Most of it is on Andre Dillard. Uh, He just wasn't as good, didn't work as hard, didn't want to seem to move to the other side when they needed him to do. I can't do this. My lot that goes over the other side does it without a problem. So, yeah, I will put most of the blame on Dillard. But if not Dillard, more on Stoutland University or more on Howie Roseman using a first-round pick for him, not trading him when he had the chance, his evaluation of him as a player and how dedicated he was to the game when they picked him. If we acknowledge Dillard as an L, who gets more of the blame after the fact in 2020 hindsight, his coach or the guy who picked him? Uh, wow, I was not prepared for an Andre Dillard conversation today. Um, <laughs> that yeah, was, I don't know where that came That from. was the 2000... Using a first-round draft pick on an offensive lineman. That's where yeah, that, that conversation that? came from. They're going to replace Lane Johnson and let him sit on the bench for two years, as per Johnny Mack. Right. That was 2019, correct? 2019, uh, correct, yes. Okay, so if I remember correctly, that was sort of the COVID year draft. 2020 was the Zoom draft, but the 2019 is when COVID stopped things, I believe. What I do remember is that 
people were not on the trail. Uh, I don't think they ever went and worked no, out. No, they didn't. That Andre was Dillard. the thing, Jeff. Yeah. That, with Andre Dillard, he was expected to go much higher. Right. And all of a sudden, he started falling to the Eagles. Yep. And they were like, oh, man, we got a yep. chance. And they didn't do their homework they on did Andre not, Dillard. I think Stalin only had a chance to Zoom yeah. interview him and not yeah. really get to know him the way he sort of got to know Mylotta with the International Pro Day. So, I mean, you can blame everybody. I, yeah. You can blame the circumstance. You can blame – the player himself, who was not the most, you know, driven when he came into the league to, to be better. You can blame Stoutland for not doing enough homework or the director of scouting. I, it, but that was rare because of the situation uh, the, of not being able to really go out and see guys. In fact, if I if, if we go back to that 2019 draft, I, I'd have to say I think people have done some studies on it and shown that there were some picks there that uh, it wasn't a strong traffic. Uh, tackle draft to begin with because I think Tyus Howard was the next one to Houston and he's been okay. Um, nothing great, but yeah, whenever you see a draft where the first tackle goes like 20th, 19th, 20th, right. Then, then, you know, it's, it's not me. Well, the yeah. Draft. The crazy part was if you remember in that draft, um, mm-hmm. Houston badly needed a tackle. I yep. think, it, yeah, it was Houston and the Eagles traded up, moved up to in front um, of him. Yep. To get, to get him, And, and, and Houston, as you mentioned, just took the next tackle. They didn't know what to do. Right. Um, and it was, yeah, it, it, from the Eagles standpoint though, they saw a player that was dropping that they thought was going to be a top 10 pick. And they just went, we got to get this guy. And yep. they made a mistake. Oh yeah. And, this is the and, year. Cleveland Farrell went fourth overall, and that was a disaster for them. There were some pretty good picks there, but, you know, Pittsburgh took Devin Bush. That didn't work out for them. Uh, there were a couple of uh, Dwayne Haskins to Washington. Bradbury. That was no Daniel pick. Snyder picked. Uh, um, yeah, Noah Font, 20th. Yeah, th- I mean, it looks like there's a decent amount of hits, so there are some good players in this draft. But, yeah, the, that was not the Eagles' best. Uh, the, those two years, 2019 and 2020, I get, I get it that they got Jalen Hurts in the second round, 2020. But if you go talk to people who worked in the building, those were two pretty tough years for front office cohesion to begin with. So a conversation for another day. We already kept you long most. Thank you very much for jumping in with us. You know how much we're going to have you on during the off season. Thanks for a couple minutes today, brother. You got it, fellas. Take Thanks, Mosh. Appreciate Jeff it. Mosher. Inside the Eagles.com, the podcast. Um, always good when most jumps in. Hey, uh, let me tell you, Birds fans, that you can save yourself some money today. Here's a chance to save upwards of 40% on your car insurance. Do so right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call one of the two managing general partners, Jim or Fran, and tell them you're a friend of both Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery 
go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, Mac and Mac, wrapping this thing up pretty damn quickly. Uh, our apologies to Bill Calarulo and his power hour coming up next. We drifted way into his lane. We need to pull it back in and uh, get out of Dodge. It uh, should be a good one tomorrow because we'll go down the show with Mike Gill and Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus and OverTheCap.com going to jump in with us because there are some pretty significant cap questions Eagles have to deal with. How they going to kind of hit? If they trade Reddick, it's one cap. If they release Reddick, it's another. If they don't do anything with Reddick, it's another. And, yeah, the whole Jason Kelsey retirement thing, Eagles got cap issues to deal with. Uh, so we're looking forward to talking to Brad Spielberger about that tomorrow. I'm back here in 22 hours. You in with me, Johnny Mac? Yeah, I think it's going to be 21 hours now. Apologies <laughs> to Bill, man. Yeah. Good point. We are late. That's my bad. I apologize specifically to Bill. Uh, but thanks to all of you for sticking around, staying uh, streamed in with us here on Birds 365. We will be back tomorrow in 2 and 2. Thank you much for streaming in today. You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs> 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.